Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is the season finale. Uh, so I have a guest host with me this episode. Uh, welcome to the hosting gig, Colin. Hey, Frank. Thanks for having me. So usually we have guests on this show, uh, but uh, I elected to just have a, a co-host and a conversation uh, for the season finale because... Uh, uh, well, it's only appropriate since uh, our uh, next book together, Never the Crime, is coming out on June 22nd. Yep, uh, right around the corner. That book is coming out from Down and Out Books. Lest you forget, Down and Out Books is the proud sponsor of Wrong Place, Right Crime. It's a mid-sized publisher of gritty and realistic crime fiction. So if you like things at that end of the spectrum, uh, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's down and out books all spelled out down out books take the journey with us so colin and i both have books there at down out including the charlie 316 series yeah charlie 316 came out last year and the follow-up like you mentioned uh comes out uh on june 22nd and then we're going to have the uh third and fourth book in that series released uh, uh in fairly short order later this year yeah we did a few things a little different with this uh release pattern for sure uh, which is I suppose one of the nice things about being with a smaller publisher that agility to shift from the original plan of four Junes in a row to complete this arc to bam 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 getting out the second third and fourth of June September and November of the same year yeah down and out was fantastic when we pitched them the idea to go with a new release date we had written the uh, last three books and sent them in and when we presented that idea it made a lot of sense uh, due to the storyline and the cliffhangers that we were going to be presenting the readers with and not having them need to wait three years to get to the final resolution of that story now they'll only have to wait roughly what six months to get to the end of the tyler garrett saga yeah and that's really kind of what we're calling it in a way because it is a four book arc that traces, you know, the the events of the first book with Tyler Garrett to the conclusion of, of that particular story arc. Uh, I remember as we were writing this book though that, you know, each of these four books has its own distinct flavor. I mean, Charlie three sixteen, uh, definitely a procedural but 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 pretty pretty rapid pace, you know, not not quite to the thriller level maybe, but but approaching it. Uh, this new book, Never the Crime, the second book in the series, uh, kind of has a little different feel to it. Yeah, it's much more of a political thriller uh, than Charlie 316. Charlie 316 had some of those elements to it, but much more of the police procedural. And, uh, you know, to not leave too too much uh, off the path here to talk about the third book, uh, which is badge heavy, that's going to be a much more uh, action-oriented story uh and we're going to leave uh the political elements behind to get into that yeah it 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 definitely is a much wider story uh never the crime uh and explores the the politics if you enjoyed that political piece to charlie 316 i think it's a bigger piece in this second book but then the story does definitely contract in the third book for those that that appreciated the action more uh, and then the fourth is kind of a code four. The the final book in the series is is kind of a happy medium of all three of the previous, I'd say. Yeah, I would agree, and it, and it wraps everything up, which 
uh, I think that after folks read, uh, and not everybody, but a number of folks after they read Charlie 316, they didn't uh, necessarily like the the unresolved uh, question uh, at the end. And not to give that away, but uh, would would uh, would justice be uh, reached for Tyler Garrett? Yeah, that, that that was the end of a story, but it wasn't necessarily the end of the story, as we discovered, because I, I don't know if people realize this, but that was intended as a single book initially. And then we realized we wanted to follow that story a little bit more. And as soon as we started following it, it, it turned into a pretty easily having to be a four book arc. Yeah, I, I think that that might be a, a, a commentary on our society today that when we present a story in that fashion it's not always uh the easiest uh received uh one of my favorite books is vision quest by terry davis and that was made into a movie uh many years ago while you and i were in high school and uh a great movie yeah filmed in spokane starred matthew modine and in the end of that movie the hero of the the story goes on on the mat it's a movie about wrestling uh, and has his big wrestling uh, match and ends up winning it. But if you've ever read the book, he basically walks onto the mat, and that's where the story ends, and you don't know if um, he wins the match or he loses the match. You're left to fill in those blanks yourself. And I've always loved that that ending because uh, you get to decide, does he win, does he, does he lose? And depending on the times I've read it, and I've read it multiple times. He might win, and then I'll read it another time and think, "Ah, oh, no, no, he lost. You know, he didn't beat Shoot." But uh, and and that's the way we had originally structured Charlie three sixteen was leave it to the reader, let them understand or let them guess, let them let them figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, the, the Terry Davis uh, mention that you do there uh, is interesting because uh, I took away from that book uh, that he did that ending because you know the result wasn't what mattered i mean it was a vision quest it was the journey that mattered right and mm-hmm. uh i think that's a fantastic way to emphasize that you know is not tell the person what the outcome is even though it <laughs> makes a lot of people mad it doesn't surprise me that hollywood wasn't willing to do that uh at least uh not the people that made that movie uh we we talked a little bit when we were writing the 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 second book about it being kind of an empire strikes back novel uh that second book that that doesn't necessarily end this series but has to have has to hit a few important notes along the way yeah it 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 delved more into the political nature of of the first book and i think that those were the notes that we wanted to really call out and and show just how dirty things were in the charlie 316 world which, again, we're very happy, I guess, with with the real Spokane, but we wanted it to be <laughs> a little bit darker and gritty uh, for, for our novels. So hopefully people who read these books don't go, oh, my God, what is wrong with that Pacific Northwest town? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, everything is beautiful and everybody is wonderful doesn't sell a lot of, uh, of crime novels. People aren't very interested in reading about that, uh, at least not in this genre, so... Actually, uh, it might be interesting for people out there to uh, to hear how many different iterations of a title we went through for that book. Do you remember that con- that whole process? Oh my God, yeah, that was. I think that we had 
oh, probably at least 20 different titles that we bounced back and forth. For the first book, it was always going to be Charlie 316. There was never a question about it. Um, it came that's, fully formed. That's how you pitched it to me. Hey, I have this yeah. book idea. It's called Charlie 316. Let yeah. me tell you about it. It was exactly. already set. Yeah. And then when we decided to write a series, it was like, okay, well, book number two, book number three, and book number four, and these will be the ideas. And then we started chatting uh, about the the storylines and and the the different plot points and the characters and and the the titles were really the uh, as they should be I think the kind of the last thing that gets discussed and we could not come up with a decent title and we actually settled reluctantly on dark intent probably the twentieth uh, title it was uh, uh, the fourth title that we settled on I mean we had settled on about three other ones that we weren't entirely happy with. And then we finally were, we sat on that one for quite a while, but there were another, like you said, another 20 that we batted around. There were ones I loved that you hated and ones that you loved that I hated. There were ones that both of us thought were like safe, but bland. So we dumped them. I mean, it was a, I've never been, I've never had that much trouble naming a book. I don't think and being happy with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then uh, I don't remember how, Never the crime struck me. It was a conversation that we were having about uh, about that quote or that sentiment. That uh, how's it go exactly? It's never the crime, but um... the cover up. Right, right, right. That's how some it yeah, something like that. In a <clears throat> and so we just cut it down to never the crime, mm -hmm. and that just seemed like a natural natural fit for this book because that's what it's all about is a, a, a cover up in City Hall and and how a number of our players in the Charlie 316 world get sucked into this vortex uh, and how mm -hmm. nobody escapes clean from this scenario. Yeah, I like it because there's everything that happens in this book that, that's a cover-up, so to speak, a very blatant cover-up, but there's kind of a meta-reference, too, because there's kind of a cover-up going on with regard to Tyler Garrett and the ongoing efforts of Wardell Clint and others. Uh, I'm being a little vague on purpose in case somebody hasn't read Charlie 316. But uh, but yeah, this book is more of a political book. And then the next book is much more of a an action-oriented, tighter-focused book. And people won't have to wait long to read the end in Code 4, which uh, will be out in November. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about seeing the complete arc actually out there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to to see that rapid release. Um, you don't see that very often. I hope it keeps people on the edge of their seats. You know, I mean, uh, you think about people who read a good book and they're like, I gotta wait a year for the next book, and hopefully their reaction will be, Hey, I gotta wait a month for the next book. <laughs> I hope it works out that way. Uh, well, I'm I'm definitely excited about that. But uh, you and I don't just write books together. We write books separately too, and. I've been pretty excited about a series that you just recently released. It's at three books now, but I know you got more in the hopper coming eventually, uh, and that's the Cozy Up series. I just I think people out there might like to hear a little bit about that. I mean, what what the concept is, and maybe a, a quick synopsis of the of the three titles you've got out so far. No, oh, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to chat about it. The, the Cozy Up series is my first adventure into the cozy mystery genre which if you've read charlie 316 that's going to sound uh, like a uh, uh, i wandered completely off course uh, however there was a method 
behind my madness. My mother-in-law loves my writing. She loves our stories. She loved Charlie 316, but they tend to be a little bit harder and darker uh, than uh, the stories that she wants to be able to share with the ladies that go to her church. So I decided after we were up at Left Coast Crime in Vancouver, why not uh, try to write something in a cozy genre. See if I could do that. See see if I could uh, take some of our sensibilities and put that into a cozy book. And that's how this um, idea of uh, a former uh, motorcycle gang enforcer hiding in witness protection uh, came about. And the idea is basically this guy's plunked down into a murder she wrote scenario and how He's it's more of a guy from a Parker novel. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, I, I've told a couple people that it's sons of anarchy meets murder. She wrote, um, <laughs> that's pretty good. And you know, if you're trying to, you try to hide a guy that's, you know, six foot three, 225 pounds covered in tattoos, that's kind of a hard guy to hide in a tiny little, you know, quaint, uh, new England town. Um, he's going to stand out. And uh, that's where the the trouble ensues. And so the first book was Cozy Up to Death. And he doesn't stay hidden very long. I think he gets exposed within the first week. Uh, and then he's got to go on the run. He crosses the country into uh, uh, California. And uh, he gets a new cover. And he gets his cover blown there pretty quick and has to go on the run again. And the newest book just, uh, you know, by the time this this airs will have come out uh, a couple months ago, uh, that one's called Cozy Up to Blood. And he ends up hiding out in a uh, North Oregon island uh, that is hosting a vampire film festival. Uh, and it's loosely based on the Twilight series, obviously. Um, but uh, he's uh, going to stick out there as well, because uh, when you're hiding amongst a bunch of sparkly vampire fans and once again, you're six foot three covered in tattoos. Uh, it's not uh, easily hidden. So, well, One of the things I really like about this series is that if you like cozies, it's there for you. The cozy is there. If you like harder edge stuff, it's still there. It, it, you, you might not get to see the splatter on the screen or hear the curse word, but you know he's cursing and you know he's splatting somebody. Um, and what I really like about it is... As somebody who's not super into cozies, I notice where you're kind of making fun of the cozy genre a little bit. But when I put on my cozy hat, as it were, I can see where you're kind of making fun of the hard-boiled at the same time. Because it all depends on your perspective. I mean, here's a guy who in the first book, he's in a bookstore and the last thing he read, you know, was like a repair manual for a motorcycle. And that's about the only thing he's read since grade school, maybe, you know. And so he's, you know, he's got to try to be a bookstore owner. And then you take him out and put him in charge of a record store on the other coast. And it's great, a record store. He loves music, but it's all the music he hates that this record store sells. And that's funny. And then you set him on this island with all these, you know, I mean, uh, film geeks, you know. I mean, we're all geeks in our own way. But, you know, you take somebody who's uh, not a geek of that stripe and throw him in with a bunch of... Uh, of geeks and there's this weird dynamic and uh it's pretty it's pretty hilarious stuff so it's great mystery and there's a lot of tension so if you like that great but i like it because it's funny and uh you have little little things in there that uh 
I think are going to be there from book to book. There's a cat in the first book that shows up in the second book as well. Unfortunately, not in the third book. I hope he makes it back into the future books because I, I miss the cat. Oh, he'll be he'll be back in the fourth book. Um, but uh, you know, when 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 our hero had to run, he couldn't take the cat. But uh, uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. Yeah. He couldn't save the cat, huh? <laughs> well, yeah. But the cat will return. The cat will return. So. Okay. Good, good, good. Well, uh, real quickly, I want to let people know, uh, in addition to the Cozy Up series, you also write the 509 series, and that's a, an ensemble uh, police procedural series that kind of has a twist to it uh, in that your narrator's different from book to book. Yeah, I take uh, uh, each book has a different uh, viewpoint. I try to switch up uh, each one, maybe slip in another viewpoint uh, uh, or a new character that won't be uh, returning uh, just to add a little bit of a different uh, uh, flavor and uh, yeah so maybe maybe a new one will appear uh, in that uh, catalog next year but nothing for this year well there's already four of those out if i'm counting correctly right yes yeah and it's kind of cool because you might get a character who's the primary uh, narrator in the first book who's a secondary character in the second book who maybe does a little bit of support in the third book and then bam back to being a primary narrator and uh, very much like uh, Ed McBain did with his Isola uh, series it's uh, it's a cool mechanic uh, because the voices are so different in each book but the familiarity is there as well yeah and I did that just because I had some different stories that I wanted to tell and I didn't want to keep resetting the world's if you will, and uh, resetting the characters. And it just seemed like a, a, a great way to uh, world build. I know that they do that in mm-hmm. the science fiction genre quite a bit. So why not do that in a crime fiction world and have these characters grow with me as I grow the world? Well, there's short stories in the, in the same setting that you've uh, released. And um, I know you're not officially uh, claiming it yet, but there's actually another series that'll that'll be set in the same universe as well coming sometime in the future. So you're, you're creating quite a large universe. I am actually, there'll be two more series that'll be set in that, that world. One. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. One that's, uh, just needs to be, uh, uh, edited if, and, uh, that will take place in the 2004 through 2006 time period. And then the new series that I'm working on, that I hope will come out next year. And I'm holding those books until I have three to go, just like I did with the Cozy series, uh, so that I can rapid release those so that uh, readers will be able to jump from the first book to the third book very quickly and not have to you know, wait to kind of develop a friendship, if you will, with the character. The books that take place in the past, I read earlier versions of those because you wrote them quite a while ago. And what's kind of cool about that is those stories finally get to see the light of day in a in, in a setting that kind of will service them well because they'll be part of a greater meta story. Because I I foresee I will be surprised if that main character in the, the those three books doesn't pop up as a support or minor character in the present day uh, in other in other books. Uh, pretty sure we discussed that. I I don't think you changed your mind on that, did you? No, no, no. I see exactly what I'd like to do. And what's interesting is that I wrote these books 
back in that time frame, 2004, five and six, and they weren't ready for the light of day at that point. But I do like the, I did like the plot and, but the character was very immature at that time. And so what I've done now is I've gone back and I've updated the character, uh, changed some motivations in him and am much more happy with who he is. And I've and really tightened up the story. And like you said, I think it'll add a lot to the world that I've created. And uh, and then he will pop up as a minor role later on. That kind of world building, though, I think readers dig that if they find an author. I mean, and, and then they're, they're reading this book or that book and they see a minor character from another series or, or whatever. It just, it just, it's fun. Not comparing either of us to Stephen King, but that extended universe that he writes in where... You might be reading eleven twenty two sixty three, and you come across a couple of kids that you know were in that were in it, and they have a small scene is all in this book, but it's kind of a neat connection. I think readers dig that. I hope they do because I try to do it as well. <laughs> I know that readers do uh, because I, I've I've seen that in some of your own books in the the River City series, where you'll call back to to minor characters. Haven't you done that? Yeah, per- pretty purposefully. Um, you know, short stories, uh, incidents, things like that. Uh, as you're discovering, as you as you write more and more in the 509 series, that you're, that that universe, there ends up being so many crossovers and and things you know in advance are going to happen. Like that old series that you wrote, we'll call it the JC series, if that's okay. That's fine. Uh, so in, in in that series, like you already know the fate and uh, that that's occurred in those three. So you write the newer books with that in mind you already even though you haven't published these books yet you know what happens in each of them and you know the ripple effect of that and i encounter that a lot too and we've been talking a lot uh, uh, offline about uh, the river city book that's coming out in august uh, place of wrath and tears and and there's a lot of that that occurs in there there's a lot of things that occur that have an impact in the series not just in the yeah, and you, you've got a, a little bit of a different challenge because you have jumped so far ahead than this time period where uh, Place of Wrath and Tears takes place. You're, you're what, five, six years ahead in a couple different books, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. When I wrote the second River City book, it was set in 1995. And then uh, very shortly after that, I wrote the first Stefan Copriva book. And he's a character from River City, for those who don't know. And he, he spoiler alert, spoiler alert. He leaves the department at the end of the second book, and I jumped ahead 10 years to 2005 for his first book, where he's still dealing with everything. And then you and I wrote Some Degree of Murder and said it just a few months prior to when Waste Deep happens. So events occur in both of those books that, you know, they're both set in River City. And so events occur that are, you know, essentially written in stone now, you know, no fate but what we make it, Terminator stuff doesn't really apply here I guess. <laughs> and so as i'm writing some things i'm like uh i'll give you an example uh in in the fourth river city book a particular character dies i won't spoil it for people because it, it's pretty impactful i think but this character dies well i've known that that character was going to die for some time and i actually i wrote the fourth book in 2009 and it was published in 2011 in 2005, I wrote a short story uh, called No Good Deed, in which a character, a River City character, references this death. So, I mean, if somebody was like 
of Zephyro Completist, and they read everything they'd already know who dies in River City for five years earlier. But uh, I wrote the book, and I gave it to beta readers, and one of my best beta readers, um, New Jersey lady named Jill Mazer. How you doing, Tosh, if you're listening? Um, she said, oh, man, you can't kill this character. And she gave me some very good reasons why, you know, some dynamics in, within the series that he he's pretty pivotal to. And I just listened to her in increasing dismay because I knew she was right, and I couldn't do anything about it because he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, he, and every man has to die. <laughs> you know, that's the title of the book, and that's the fate of this character. And so, you know, you have the advantage of, of being able to look at my mistakes and times I wrote myself into a corner and avoid them. <laughs> All right, so you, what basically I'm hearing is don't kill any characters. <laughs> don't kill any characters. Don't write about any characters that are going to die <laughs> if you haven't killed them yet. <laughs> oh, everybody writes. That's, that, uh, the title uh, of my next book is No Man Has to Die. <laughs> uh, I should have thought it through a little bit. But, I, you know, I mean, it, it it's kind of, you know how it is when you're creating your own universe and everything you know it's no longer what should happen or what would i like to have happen it starts to take on a synergy of its own and you know the characters drive the events and and you kind of have to be true and honest to that real world that you've created if you will i mean you and i just had a conversation earlier today about this newest book and about a particular character's fate changing radically from the draft that uh, that i initially wrote you know for that very reason uh, so the people who decide to pick up this book on August 12th when it comes out, they're going to get a very different version than the beta readers got uh, at this point. Well, it'll be a great, great version. Uh, I'm excited about this story, and uh, I appreciate you letting me be a, one of the beta readers on it. I appreciate you fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just funny. We, we write these books, and we give them to beta readers, and it on the one hand, we feel like it's a perfect little child that we've created. And on the other hand, we think it's probably going to be, you know, this ugly, deformed thing that everybody hates. And then you kind of hand it over with trepidation, never knowing which side of your psyche is correct. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm just weird. No, I think we all feel that. Uh, I would be remiss, though, uh, if we're talking about stuff coming out. Not to mention that the entire uh, season of A Grifter's Song just finished coming out here earlier this month that has stories from uh eric pruitt awesome maria bradley holly west eric beatner scott eubanks and then i wrote the season finale and the bonus episode and um you haven't read it yet but uh in the intro to the paperback version for the entire season that comes out in two volumes i referenced the conversation you and i had in that uh seattle diner breakfast one morning about conning the reader uh having to do with what happens in down comes the night from the perception of the main characters sam and rachel uh sam's the narrator in this uh, oh episode. yeah 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 and, and versus what really happened from you know which you which you only get that perspective in the bonus episode and only subscribers get that it's a subscriber uh, subscriber exclusive yeah we're sitting there talking about it, and I'm saying that this is what really happened, and da, da, and you just kind of looked at me, and you're like, you know what you're doing here, right? No, what am I doing? You're conning the reader. And I was like, that is so fitting. It's a grifter book. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, people can get that, and hopefully they check it out. You can get the individual episodes, but you can only get the subscriber episode if you buy the 
the whole subscription. So there you go. If you want to be exclusive and who doesn't, that's the way to go about it. Uh, but the whole reason we came on the show here was to talk about uh, the Charlie Three Sixteen series, and I, I just I really wanted to say I thought it was a lot of fun, Colin, and I'm pumped that they're all coming out so quickly, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what people think of of the end of the arc for for the Tyler Carrier saga. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to to see it in print. Um, I appreciate uh, down and out working with us and uh, making it happen this year. Well, uh, I, I had a great time in the experience. I know we'll work together again, but we're kind of on a, we're like, we're like Ross and Rachel, we're on a break right now. <laughs> working on some of our solo stuff, but we do have a plan on something we're going to work on together in the future. So if you, if you dig our combined work, uh, there will be more at some point. And uh, I want to tell you thanks for, for coming on to, to help me close out the season. Oh, the season. Uh, this is not the final season of Wrong Place, Right Crime. Uh, there will be a fourth season, and I am very pleased to announce that the season premiere will feature an interview with Walter Mosley. That's, uh, I'm excited for that, too. Boy, I'm excited about a lot of things right now. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty stoked when I heard uh, you were going to be chatting with him. That's going to be a heck of an interview. Yeah, you'll have to send me any questions you want to make sure I ask. I'll make sure to slip them in. Oh, uh, you could just ask if he's heard of me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome <laughs> I'm on his calendar though so it'll be fun uh, well next season we'll start with him and then uh, for those of you who do listen more carefully you'll notice that the open and shut episodes have gotten longer and longer uh, that's something that's going to change for the next season I'm going to be very strictly adhering to the uh, you know, 15 minute-ish uh, time frame for the entirety of those episodes so for prospective guests and for all the listeners, know that uh, I'm going to exercise some self-discipline and keep them to that length. But uh, those will still happen on a weekly basis, except for the one feature episode every month, like the Walter Mosley one that will kick off the season. So that'll start in September. Hope you all enjoy your summer. And uh, Colin, I want to say thanks for, for coming on and helping me close out the season. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you in September. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place.